You are valuable. You do have purpose. You are not what they said you were. Prosperity will find you. You are successful. You are beautiful. Your past does not define you. The moment you decide to look outside of yourself for value is the moment you give your rights away to be authentically you. Your value is not in what your mother thinks of you, what your father thinks of you, what your family and friends think of you. Your value is what you think of yourself. That is the secret to authentically loving and being you. Welcome to Soul Food with Sadie. It's time to feed your soul, uplifting others through inspiration, motivation, and edifying the soul so we can be the best version of ourselves. Here's your host, Sadie Evans. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you all again for tuning in to Soul Food with Sadie. I have a very special guest, someone I met about two years ago. She is a phenomenal woman doing her thing. I watch her on social media. I've seen her grow in so many ways, and she's just a really open, transparent, and genuine individual. I have Lee Cordell, who is the CEO of the Institute for Trauma and Psychological Safety. How are you, Lee? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to reconnect. I can't believe it's been two years. Holy cow. I know, right? (laughs) That was like pre-pandemic. Yes. Yeah. That was really a long time ago, but it didn't seem like it. Yeah. But I'm so happy to reconnect with you. Can you tell the audience who you are? Yeah. So I am a, a doctorally prepared nurse practitioner and a certified clinical trauma professional. And so I use those in my work as a mindset coach um, for entrepreneurs and professionals personally. And then recently uh, really realized that I wanted to take um, my knowledge and just passion for trauma-informed practices for the creation of psychological safety in our society to a more systemic level. So that's when we founded the Institute. And yeah, we're, we've got a lot going on. That is big. That's huge because people yes. need that. A lot of times we don't know how to process trauma and we just deal with it our whole life. Some people become addicts. Some people just don't even know how to deal with it, have mental issues. So thank you for doing the work that is needed. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I don't think I could, like, if you told me that you'd pay me a lot of money to stop doing this work, like, I don't think I would. It's, it's definitely, I feel like what I was put here on this earth to do. So yeah. Such a beautiful feeling to be able to fulfill your purpose and know what your purpose is. Some people never, ever get there. Can you tell us how you got to where you are today? Oh, goodness. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start back. I was in my senior year of college and was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Um, I had a, I was finishing up a degree in neurobiopsychology. So looking at how our brains, bodies, um, the chemicals between the two worked to, to create our mindset, to create how our habits, how we showed up in the world. 
And I knew I didn't want to be a researcher. Like I knew I didn't want to be in a lab, but I wasn't sure what next. And and so I ended up going to graduate school uh, to become a nurse practitioner. And I worked as a nurse for several years in the ICU and actually ended up unbeknownst to me at the time encountering it and facing PTSD. Um, Mm -hmm. during that time of, you know, taking care of patients who had 80% mortality rates and, um, you know, sleeping four hours a night while I was in grad school. I also had three kids during that period. And so I came out, became a bone marrow transplant and hematology nurse practitioner and was again, working in a field where, you know, it wasn't primary care where, you know, you're seeing people helping them um, with chronic issues. This was like a lot of my job was life or death scenarios, Mm. people who were really sick. And I, during that time, you know, um, ended up doing a brief stint as a medical ICU nurse practitioner. That is when my PTSD resurfaced because I returned kind of to the scene of the crime, right? This, the, this, this place where all of that trauma had happened. And after several years being there was like, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to do something different. I feel like, you know, I chose this educational path because that's what my maiden name is Crawford. That's what Crawfords do, right? Like we get the highest education we can. Um, We're always trying to do better than the generation before us. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know what? I want to start a side business. So I went into network marketing that I, I loved network marketing, not from the perspective of like selling things, but I loved coaching people. I love getting people on my team and saying like, oh, what are your hopes and dreams? And like, how can I support you from a mindset perspective? Yeah. And like four years after doing that, I had a friend approach me and she said, Lee, you're a coach. Like that, like that is who you are. That is what you are. It doesn't matter if you're you know, working as a professor um, for graduate students, teaching, you know, future nurse practitioners. It doesn't matter if you're in your network marketing business, if you're like with your patients, with your students, like you are a coach is what you're doing. That's the golden thread running through everything. Why are you not getting paid to coach? And that was a moment where I was like, oh, why am I not getting paid to coach? But I think the thing was, is entrepreneurship, full-time entrepreneurship, like Um, going all in felt really scary, especially as someone who had a six figure income. My husband was um, staying at home with our kids at the time. So I was like, I'm the sole income for the family. Am I really going to do this? And so I did both for a while. And right before the pandemic hit, I had a conversation with my husband and I was like, look, I am... (laughs) you know, crying before I'm going into work. Like I'm feeling really stressed out all the time. First of all, I'm working too much trying to do both of these things. And I said, if I can replace my income, if I can pull in the same amount of money that I'm making from my full-time job, are you cool if I leave? And he was like, yeah, but what if something catastrophic happens? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like what if the world falls apart? This was in February, 2020, mind you. So I... I joke with my husband. I'm like, you caused the pandemic, right? It's a total joke. Obviously he didn't, but, um, so I was like, we'll figure it out. And something really beautiful and unexpected happened is when the pandemic hit, I was doing life and mindset coaching and all of these people started coming to me because they'd seen me posting about it for the last year and a half. And they're like, I'm not okay. (laughs) I'm really struggling. Can you help? And so my business quadrupled in about four months. So I ended up, that was May of 2020. I left my professor job in August and then I became a full-time entrepreneur in December of 2020. And I've been doing that since. So um, that is, people always ask me how I got from nursing to entrepreneurship. That's the like 
Cliff Notes version of a really long, twisty, turny story. And I saw, I've seen your journey and it's, it's a beautiful journey to watch. But when I met you, you weren't even coaching when I met you, right? I was coaching, but I wasn't, I wasn't putting myself out there as a coach the way that I do now. So like people in my close circle knew I was coaching. Um, I was running small group programs of eight to 10 women. Yes. But I wasn't like fully putting it out there to the universe. I'm a mindset coach, hire me. And, and that, you know, I think is, it was something that I had to learn how to do. And mm-hmm. that requires like a lot, you know, I were just chatting before this, like it requires a lot of vulnerability. Yes. Especially when people are, I've had so many people say to me, why would you leave that career? Like, why would you leave a six figure income where you're working, you know, you, you know, when your shifts are, you know, what's going on. And I said, you know, I was an excellent nurse and I was an excellent, um, professor, but like, I wanted to be in my zone of genius, not in my zone of excellence. And that's what coaching is for me. Serving your purpose. Yeah. It's more fulfilling than any amount of money can pay you. Yes. And the, the funny thing was, is that as soon as I stepped into that, the money actually really got more. I mean, I make more now than I did as a nurse practitioner. I work 20 to 30 hours a week. Now I was working 60 before Mm -hmm. and it was a hard, it was hard for the people around me to accept. You know, we talk about this a lot in entrepreneurship that, you know, your family is there for you, but you're, we don't want to rely on our family as the supporters of our business. Right. Exactly. Because that's not, that's not the role that they signed up to serve. They signed up to be your family member, not your business supporter. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and, and my family was, my mom and my dad were concerned. They were like, you know, what about insurance? And what about, you know, what if you have a bad month? And I, and at one point I had to turn and look to them and say, look, I just made more in a weekend than I made in two months at my job. So we're good. Thank you for being concerned. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for making sure that we're safe and supported. We're good. And after that point now, now they're like fully on board. (laughs) My mom sends me, my mom sends me clients, you know, like she'll, you know, they're, they are really bought in, but they really wanted to make sure that this was something that was going to be safe and supportive for my family. And then that's good that they wanted to make sure that was going to be there for your family because Sometimes, like you said, in entrepreneurship, it's scary, not just for us, but for our family. And that brings me to my next question. Were there any limited beliefs that stood in the way for you when you were transitioning over? Yeah, there's my big thing is like my core wound. The thing that feels awful to feel is like I'm a disappointment. Mm -hmm. So I had to entrepreneurship requires failure right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have to get really comfortable with failure and, and trying things and having them not work. And then saying, okay, that didn't work. Do I just need to do this again? Do I just need more practice or is, do I need to shift? Do I need to pivot? And so you have to get really comfortable with examining your failures. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who doesn't like to fail, <laughs> that was really hard. Yeah. And so I had to do a lot of mindset work around that. A lot of work with my own coaches, um, a lot of conversations with God around like, Hey, yeah. um, I know you've got me also. I don't feel like I've got myself. So like, help me out here. Right. Uh, that, that was a big piece too, but that was one of the biggest ones. And I think the other was just believing that it could be easier. Mm-hmm. I could make money easier. My career could feel easier. 
my, the, the work I was doing could feel more pleasurable. Cause I was taught, you know, we, we have the saying hard work, right? Mm-hmm. I was taught that yeah. work is hard. And so sometimes when things, I just had this happen, I had a really big launch where I wasn't even planning on selling something yet. And I told my community about it. And within mm, four weeks, we had sold 17 of 20 spots without ever taking it to the public. Like I just had people saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. Yes. And my brain was like, this isn't okay. Something's going to be wrong here. Something bad's going to happen because that was too easy. Yeah. So there was, there was actually a lot of mindset work around when things, not just when things didn't work, but when things did work to remind myself that that was also safe. Like it was safe to have things be easy. How did you remind yourself in that? We were just kind of talking about that, how when things are going good for you, it seems like we kind of talk our way into obstacles standing in the way of that. Yeah. So how did you get to a place where you trained your mind to think, okay, it is safe to feel safe, although things good, that good things are happening for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's, first of all, it's helpful to remind yourself that, and to really understand that from a uh, physical, from a neurological perspective, your brain, when things are too easy is trying to keep you safe. It's saying, Hey, we're used to things being hard. And so if things feel easy right now, we're probably missing a threat. Mm. And so a lot of us, especially, and this is a cultural, this is a, a, um, uh, ethnic racial thing as well. Right. Mm -hmm. For a lot of us, when we, when things were easy, we were missing something, Mm -hmm. right. When things felt too easy, there was a threat that we weren't picking up on. And so our bodies have been trained to go, okay, what are we missing? Right. So the first thing is, is I stopped making myself wrong for having that reaction. And when I noticed I was having that reaction of like, we feel like there's going to be a threat. We're missing a threat. Something's going to go wrong to say, okay, that's normal to feel this way. And is there actually a threat? Is there something we're missing? Have we thought about the potential consequences and ramifications of everything? And if we have, then it's, doing, uh, what I call somatic work of, of helping my body calm back down. Right. So I use what I call trauma informed affirmations because I'm not a huge fan of traditional affirmations of saying like, I am worthy. I am awesome. I am this because when our brain hears that it goes, yeah, but Mm. right. Yes. So I use trauma informed affirmations. So I start with things like it is possible for things to be easy. It is safe for things to be easy. I am allowed to have things go easily because then my brain hears that and goes, okay, you know, maybe we don't agree with that statement, but we can believe that it's potentially true. Yes. Wow. I just love you, Lee. Like you already know that though. Like that was so good because it tricks the mind into thinking, okay, I don't have to cause this disaster to happen. For this person, I can work towards, it is possible for me to, I can work towards that. That is just lovely. And that when you said, stop making yourself wrong for having that thought, that is so true because a lot of times we beat ourselves up for thoughts that's normal, especially when we've been dealing with limited beliefs forever. Yes. My clients come to me and they're like, there's something wrong with me. I'm like, actually there's literally nothing wrong with you. Your brain's working exactly the way it's supposed to. You've just been taught that 
it, that there is something wrong for thinking that way. And there's not. And so the, the best way to have things not go wrong is to admit like, and to notice, oh, my brain's trying to freak out. I, we actually say something, um, in the community that I'm in, I'm like, my brain is being so cute right now. Right. My brain is being so cute. Like it's so cute that it's trying to find a problem where one doesn't exist because when we can look at these thoughts as cute or adorable or like protective or silly, it changes the, the way they feel in your body. That is so good. That is so good. I always say when we look at something as a problem, that's when it becomes a problem. But when we look at it as a way to learn, that's when we're able to get through and create a strategy to get over that problem. So yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Your mindset really is huge. And, and for people listening to this that are like, I could never think that way. Yes. I feel you deeply on that. And for some people, this is just going to require more practice Mm -hmm. for, you're going to have to practice this more. It's going to feel really uncomfortable. It's going to feel, uh, weird, but I actually posted something on Facebook yesterday. Like your comfort zone, when you have limiting beliefs should not be your benchmark. Yes. Like if something feels comfortable for you and you are somebody who has a lot of limiting beliefs, then what that means is, is that that's probably that comfortable thing is probably not serving you. And that's all I've been talking about is uncomfortability, comfortable, because yeah. remember what we discussed before the show is I'm in a very uncomfortable position in my life. And I just, I'm looking at that as a way to grow. I haven't seen the yeah. lesson in it yet, but I know that it's there. So I'm not looking at it as this big problem. I'm not allowing it to stop me. I'm not allowing it to make me comfortable. I know that that comfortable season of my life is a place if I stay there then I'll be stuck it'll cause me to come become complacent yes so yes thank you so much Lee for the gems you have dropped already did you ever think or do you still think sometimes that the beliefs that you used to have what would have hindered you from starting your coaching business I one of the I heard this statement this uh quote, I don't know, probably two or three years ago. And it, it stuck with me since it's like, we teach what we need. Right. So I think that me starting my coaching practice has actually significantly helped me from a mindset perspective because, and, and it's helped me clear a lot of the limiting beliefs that I, that I held. And to be honest, when I up level, they're there again. So I'm not going to say that they're gone. Every time I hit a new level or get into a new experience, my brain brings the same things back up. So that's another misconception. I really like to clear up is, you know, the limiting beliefs that you have at one level, when you get to the next, they're going to be there again. Don't make yourself wrong for that. You get to practice what you just did at the, at the previous level. But I, one of the, one of the things I love about my work is I will be coaching someone and say something to them and then be like, Ooh, I need that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'll give them, ad- I'll, I'll give them mentorship on doing something. And I'll say like, have you been doing your mindset work? And then I'll think, Hmm, have I done my mindset work in the last exactly. three or four days? So it really, it's, I, I say that my coaching business is mutually beneficial because my clients get so much out of it. My students get so much out of it, but like, let's be honest, there's a huge selfish component here. I get so much out of this. Yes. I definitely agree with you. That's why I say, let me encourage you while I encourage myself, because I believe that it's for me first. 
when I started season two over Minds Limited Beliefs, I didn't know it was for me. Like I thought yeah. it was for the listeners, but everyone that has come on the show has really helped me grow in my mind. And now it helps me look at obstacles differently. I don't let yeah. them get me depressed. I don't let them get me anxious. I remember when we met, I was a very anxious person. Do you remember that? And you- I don't remember that, but yes. I... That's why I said, were you a coach then? Because when you came up to me, you were kind of coaching me and you gave me the right with me because you knew I needed organization in my life. Yes, I was very anxious. And some days I still, I still get there, you know, however, I don't allow it to consume me like I did two years ago. Well, and I think that, and tell me if this resonates. One of the things that you learn as you start to do mindset work is you start to identify what you personally need. Yes. So as an example, this morning was a total, it was, it did not go any way I thought it would. I've got three kids. Um, I have a tween with ADHD and she's in middle school. This is her first year. We're, you know, a month into middle school and she forgets things. Because Mm -hmm. that she is required to remember so many more things and she's trying to be independent. So we're trying to like support her in the independence, knowing that there's going to get there, that there is stuff that's going to get missed. Mm -hmm. And so I was driving on my way back from working out with my trainer and I'm like, okay, cool. This is how my morning is going to go. And then she texts and she says, I forgot this really important thing. So my husband and I are on the phone and we're like working it out. And I'm like, can you take it? No, I'll take it. And so I run it up there and then I come home and he, my husband said, you know, I think you should probably record at your co-working space, which is like 12 minutes away. Cause mm-hmm. we're going to be working in the backyard. It's going to be loud. And all of a sudden this like hour and a half leisurely window of time, I had to get ready and like, enjoy my morning was cut down to seven minutes. Right. Wow, so yeah. So I looked at him and I said, this is what I need. I need you to tell me that I can do this. I need to hear like, like, give me, just shower me with words of affirmation for 20 seconds. And then I'm going to go like run, dash through the house as a mad woman, get everything done and it's going to work. And so he did. And, um, but before a few years ago, I wouldn't have even known to ask for that. I probably Mm -hmm. would have just completely fallen apart. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that is just an example of how you do this work over time. I still get anxious. Mm -hmm. I still have moments where, you know, somebody pokes a sensitive place that's still there from the trauma I've incurred in my past. And I, and I have feelings and I don't always respond the way that I desire to in the moment. And like, at the same time, things are so much better. And I handle things at, in a completely different way than I used to. And people who, meet me now or you know we we reconnect now versus then they're like you look different like you sound different you act different I'm like I'm a different person you're glowing like the glow is so so beautiful and I love the shirt you guys can't see her but it says I'm not for everyone when we realize that we would not put so much pressure on ourselves we are not for everyone I love how you said that you asked your husband, shower me with affirmations, because a lot of times we don't know our motivation language, just like love language. We should know our motivation language as well. So if that's Mm. getting showered with language, I mean, with love from your, your spouse or your friends, or if that's just listening to a podcast or listening to music, whatever it is, we should know that because sometimes we can get so far deep in the dumps and we don't even know how to get out. You could have got there if you did not say, 
shower me with these affirmations. Yeah. And if you didn't have someone in your corner that understood that that's how you yes. operate, we don't know what would have yeah. happened today, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I cruised in here right at 1030 when we were starting and sat down and took a deep breath. And I was like, okay, I'm good to go. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's the other thing too, is, you know, as I've done this work, my husband's done this work, um, sometimes willingly, sometimes, you know, more as a response to what I've been doing. And that's a really cool thing to experience is to be able to turn to somebody and say, I need a hype, like I need a hype man, right? Like hype me up five, you know, five seconds go. And then, okay, I'm going to go do my thing. Really helpful. And not only is it just you and your husband, you did all this work and it's going to trickle down to your kids unconsciously. It's like, I'm not <laughs> forcing my kids to do this, but it's going, that's something great that you're planting in your children. That is so beautiful. Yeah. All yeah, because they, you decided to transform your mind. Yeah, we, it, it's definitely changed the way that I parent. I feel like my, our first few years of parenting were really chaotic, really hectic. You know, I'm not, I am not a fan of beating your beating myself up over things that I didn't know how to do better at the time. It's the Maya Angelou quote, like, you know, once you know better, you do better. I didn't know better then. And so I'm not going to evaluate my past self using my present situation. That's not a fair thing to do. And, you know, the way that we speak with our kids, the way that we handle things now, the way that we are teaching them how to show up in the world, I feel like is so much healthier than and, and I'm so blessed to be able to say that because it was really important to me to not perpetuate harm, to not pass on things that felt that were traumatic for me. Uh, one of the things we tell the kids is, you know, my, I have twins and they both came home and they said, mom, we got bees. And I was like, okay, cool. And they were like, you're not mad. And I was like, why would I be mad? You got bees. And they're like, well, other people got A's. And I said, did you try as hard as you could? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay, great. Like that's that's what we're going for. Right. That's what we're going for. And they were like, we're not in trouble. And I'm like, no, I'm like, you guys don't even have to go to college. If you don't want to, I want you guys to go do things that you really love to do Mm -hmm. that you want to do. I, as someone who did 12 years of post high school education Mm -hmm. and then ended up in a position where none of that was required. (laughs) I mean, it was definitely helpful, but it wasn't required. My perspective is, is like, I don't, I don't need my kids to be better than me. I just need them to be themselves. That, that is good. Yes. And sometimes we put our kids in this box because we want them to be a replica of who we are or better than us. And a lot of times, like it it took for my grandmother to pass away. And I was 27 at the time for me to really walk into who I was. Cause for so long, I did things to please her and be who she wanted Mm -hmm. me to be, who she wanted Mm -hmm. me to be. That is so frustrating. And that is trauma in itself. That's why psychological safety is part of the Institute's name. Mm -hmm. Psychological safety means that you feel fully comfortable showing up hundred percent authentic who you are, how you want to, without fear of negative consequences. So, so many kids don't have that. And, and the way that we, that we are, t- well, first of all, we're not really taught how to parent, right? There's not a, the classes out there on parenting are, are a lot of times leave much lacking. They're not necessarily culturally considerate. And so, a lot of us are just using the models that we have from our parents. Yes, and absolutely. 
without recognizing that like the way that our parents parented us, yes, they did the best that they could, but there were, there's trauma in there. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if we just keep repeating and, and passing that down from generation to generation, it's not, that's not really serving and supporting us. And so if we can look at how can I create psychological safety for myself and how can I then create that for my kids? That's huge. That is huge because now you build in healthier kids to go on and have healthier generations of family. That is, that is so huge. That is so huge. Yeah. And I was saying um, from 27 to, to now 32, I feel like I had to rebirth myself and finally, mm-hmm. and I felt a lot of guilt doing that a lot of guilt. And I feel like a lot of my anxiety and panic attacks was coming from this guilt that I felt like I was betraying or letting down my grandmother. Cause for so many years, I was conditioned to be who she wanted me to be. So thank you for doing the work that is needed, that is required. So people can catch this early on. So they won't have to go through life, going through these things that could be dealt with right away. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What does mindset transformation mean to you? Oh, that's a big question. I think transforming your mindset is really looking at what thoughts do I have that are serving me and what thoughts do I have that are sabotaging me? Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the things I say is whatever you believe to be the truth is the truth. And on the flip side of that, these sound like two contradictory statements. They're not. The the flip side of that is, is your reality is not the reality, right? Yes. So the cool part about our brains as humans is like whatever we decide to latch onto and believe becomes our reality, whether it is or it isn't the reality. And so we so often like that is a disadvantage for us, mm-hmm. right? Because we're, we're taught things from society. We're taught things passed down from our parents or our teachers or elders that we're like, oh, that's true. That's true about me. That's true about the world. And then when you really start to pull those apart, and I feel like this happens a lot for humans in that late twenties, early thirties phase, right? Yes. Especially the millennial generation. Uh, I see going through this hardcore, we, you start to go, wait a second. Like the world isn't what I actually thought it was. Like I'm allowed to think about this differently. I'm allowed to act differently. I'm allowed to be different than, than I was taught. And that's a really scary moment. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's also a really powerful moment. So I think that the transformation of mindset happens in that moment where you go, wait a second, is what I'm believing to be true, actually true. Or do I want to choose to believe something different? Because a lot of times, you know, everyone's big on manifest, manifest, manifest. And that is honestly what you said. Whatever you believe to be truth is the truth. Whatever you think will become your reality. But we never talk about how we can manifest bad things happening in our life too. Oh, yeah. In this prison in our mind. Yes. Yes. I when clients come to me and they say that they're really bad at manifesting, I'm like, no, you're not. You're expert manifestors. You've just been manifesting things you don't want instead of things that you do. Exactly. The vast majority of humans are expert manifestors. Mm-hmm. We, whatever we think is going to happen <laughs> happens because we believe it's going to happen. And so we act in ways that support that happening. And, yeah. and it is wild to me how, when I fundamentally shifted from like, this scarcity mindset 
the belief that bad things, that things weren't going to work out right in a lot of areas to one of more abundance and positive expectancy. The other day I was in the Starbucks line and I was like, you know what? I, I really feel like I desire to call in some unexpected fun money today. Like that just sounds like that's just coming up as something that sounds really cool. Yes. That's going to happen. And I get up to the front and the barista goes, Hey, we accidentally made this extra coffee do you, or this extra like $6 drink. Do you want it? I was like, absolutely. And I was like, Oh, look at that. 90 seconds later, there's a, there's $6 right now. A lot of people, when we talk about that, that would make them mad because <laughs> mm. they'd be like, that's not the way I wanted it to come. And I'm like, cool, but you have to actually open yourself up and not say it has to come in this exact sp- specific mm. way because you cut yourself off some, from some really beautiful things. Yeah. I actually ended up trying this drink and I was like, oh, this is really good. I think this is going to be the new thing I order when I come here. And I, that's a silly example, but I want you to think about where you are deciding you want something or you're like, I want to manifest this, but it has to show up exactly like this instead of saying, yeah, this is what I want or something better. Right. Or something that like is still, still really serves the fundamental thing that I desire. It just might look different because then from a neuroscience perspective, your brain opens itself up and looks for evidence of manifestation everywhere. Mm. instead of saying, I'm going to look for this one specific thing. And, and even if you manifest the thing that you want, but it's only like 95% right. Your brain's not going to see it. Yes, that is good. I just posted about sometimes how we can miss our breakthrough because we looking for it to come from somebody with a big name or somebody that, you know, and it might be coming from that little hidden gem that you fail to never listen to, to never support. That might be where that breakthrough that you're searching for is at. So that is, that is amazing. And that is so true. That happened to me before I had this thought come to my mind and I tried to cancel it. I was like, that's just wishful thinking. But I said the thought out of my mouth and I said, that's just wishful thinking. No later than an hour, it happened exactly how I saw it in my mind happening. It blew my mind. It scared me a little bit. It can be scary when you start. (laughs) So first I I hear people have two, you know, uh, unexpected reactions to when they start manifesting is the first they're like mad. Cause they're like, you mean I could have been doing this the whole damn time. And I'm like, yeah. yes, you could have also, again, you know, better, you do better. We're not going to judge the past with present knowledge. Yes. And sometimes it freaks them out because yeah. we live in a society that, how do I say this? That you turn on the news, you get on social media and they tell us, especially certain, um, populations of people, Mm -hmm. how oppressed you are, how much of a victim you are, how hard life is for you, how awful it is to be. And then expect us to be like, oh, and it's super easy for me to just believe that then I get to have everything I want. And like, I can be safe. I can be safe having the things like this can work out for me. And so I think that there is a cultural consideration here when we, when, and I get actually really frustrated with, and, and just, I don't know, frustrated is the right word. Uh, maybe it is with a lot of the 
uh, white coaches that I work with that are like, just go manifest things. And I'm like, you can't say that to people who have a very real experience of never manifesting something positive. You can't say that to people who get inundated with messages day in and day out that life is going to be harder for them. Wow. So it's kind of meeting people where they at. It's a gift that you have. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. it's helping. It's taking that trauma informed approach of like (laughs) telling people they can have all the money in the world when they've never had more than $50 in their bank Mm -hmm. account is not a kind or helpful thing to say. Yes. It's actually a traumatizing thing to say. So without taking that lens of, I need to understand where this person is coming from. Mm-hmm. I need to understand the trauma and the, the hard things that they've been through so that we can create safety in a way for them that feels good. Instead of just like asking them to jump straight to abundance. Yes. When wow. they're, they're like, their brain can't comprehend that. You have to take, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. It doesn't feel real. You have to take them on the journey. So that's amazing that you do that in your work. And that comes from shifting their mindset. Like you said, someone that has negative bank account balances all the time. And you have someone that's saying, oh, well, you can have 30,000 by just shifting your mind and manifest these things. They're going to look at you like, really? Really, yeah, or they're gonna, gonna be, be like, no, or, yeah, or they're gonna believe you, and then it's not gonna work because mm. we haven't actually shifted. There's like <laughs> we haven't created safety in their body and their brain around getting that money, and then they're gonna beat themselves up and feel like they failed, and then we've done them a massive disservice. You need to say, scream that, scream. I never <laughs> even, I never even looked at it like that. Because that is so true. You have to train their mind to feel safe about that happening for them in order for them to welcome it and welcome that abundance in their life or they're going to not get it because their mind is always going to trick them out of it or cause them to sabotage opportunities to be able to receive that. And I don't even use, I, I use the word sabotage because people connect with it. They understand what it means. And Mm -hmm. it, but it's really not sabotage. Mm -hmm. You're not taking yourself out of the game because you're trying to hurt yourself. You're Mm -hmm. taking yourself out of the game because you're trying to protect yourself. Yes. If we can look at it as self-protection instead of self-sabotage, then again, this is another way we stop making ourselves wrong for things. Thank you so much. Look, I'm just excited. This is a really good episode. Like, oh gosh, it is. Why do you think mindset is so important when people face obstacles in life? I think really it's what we just said, right? If what you believe is true is true. So if you can shift the, what you believe to be true, to be something that serves you more, that helps you get what you want, that allows you to feel safer existing, allows you to feel safer, you know, having success. That is, it's crucial. It's, it's key. It's why, it's why I do the work that I do because I, again, got really frustrated with a lot of online coaching spaces where we were making these big promises to people and particularly, um, you know, not considering the cultural, ethnic, racial, gender uh, conditions, considerations that went into that. Mm -hmm. And then just saying, you can have it all. And then 
oh, wait, no, you can't because you don't know how to have it all. And the, the way that I'm teaching how to do this doesn't actually get to the core need for safety and belief that you can do it. I just want to tell you that oh, you are you. amazing. And I love to see your growth. I love to watch it. It's so refreshing. It's so motivating and inspiring. And I love the fact that it's not a money thing for you. It's a passion thing for you. That speaks volumes. Because I, I always yeah. say a title means nothing if the heart ain't pure. And your heart around this oh. here. Yeah. I I mean, don't get me wrong. I really like making the amount of money that I make now. Yes, yes. I'm not I'm not gonna pretend that I don't. And our my business model has always been one that is grounded, rooted in uh mutually beneficial outcomes. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to, when, when we work together, it's not going to work out better for me than it is for you. And it's not going to work out better for you than it is for me. Yes, absolutely. So it's going to, and I think that that's huge. Yeah. That's just not how we, I I don't think that's how a lot of people do business. Again, it's a mindset thing, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel like they're going to get taken advantage of. So they take what they can get. Mm -hmm. A lot of people aren't taught that you don't have to build your, build yourself on the backs of others. Yes. So it's a lot of people are business capitalism in the United States in a lot of ways is bathed in scarcity mindset. It's, it's a, what I have, what plus what you have equals a hundred instead of looking at it from like a synergistic perspective of like what I get to have, what you get to have gets to work together, multiply, expand and go way beyond clap. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. We do not look at it like that. And Honestly, if I'm, I'm a big empath, I can go mm-hmm. to a business or talk to someone and I can tell, even if they say it with their mouth that it's passion, I can tell that it's a money-driven business. The quality yeah. of it is not the same as a business that's ran yeah. off of passion. The, the money is not the same. I feel like people that run their business off of passion, money chases them. When you run your, yeah. when your business is driven by money, you are chasing the money. Yes. And the, the caveat to that is really teaching people who are running their businesses off of passion, who also have money mindset things, mm-hmm. struggles that you get to get paid for your passion. Cause I think that that's yeah. a huge place where I see people give and give and give and give and give. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, well, I can't charge for my work. And I'm like, yes, you can. You absolutely can. Like you charging for your work and you being well-paid and well-supported and well taken care of with that money is what then allows you to go back out and give even more. Yeah. And it's, it's like what you said, taking care of yourself first, which is selfish. And I think being selfish is one of the most selfless things you can do because mm-hmm. it is what allows you to then go out and really give your all because you are really well taken care of. Your needs are really well met. You're not worried about how you're going to pay your rent while you're then trying to um, serve somebody and, and coach them around money mindset. That's a hard thing to do. Very hard. It's like, I'm dealing with my own stuff, you know? And the Mm -hmm. first time that I was paid for helping someone, coaching someone, once we got the clarity call, that person wanted to book right away and got started right away. I felt so guilty about charging that person Mm -hmm. and I was just like I don't know that don't feel right I'm charging to help but I had to look at it as if I 
Um, if my needs are not met, I can't serve this person at my full capacity. Mm. So I have to, I, I went through the, I went through the work. I went through the tunnel. I went through the rain. I got my certifications. <laughs> I did classes. I went to school. I went to school for something different, human services with a concentration in psych, but it still worked for my business. But I felt so yeah. guilty because that mindset, that money mindset, and I'm I'm not perfect at all just because I have a podcast and I'm interviewing Lee. I still have money mindset issues because I grew up yeah. in poverty. We we don't have a standard to measure in my family of someone that has yeah. reached a level of success, financial success, even yeah. academic success in my family. Yeah. So it's just like a daily journey for me that I'm doing this, even graduating college, moving away from where my family is, and now trying to generate my own income. It's a challenge and it is a mindset challenge. And breaking free from that is very challenging at times. And it's a slow process. I literally take baby steps to do it, but I'm freeing mm -hmm. myself and I'm thankful for yeah. that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how I started mine too. I, I have, I still have money mindset stuff. Like I said, we had that massive launch. Um, I'm going to throw this number out there. It's still, I'm practicing saying this number. This is like an edge for me from a vulnerability standpoint. Cause I was taught you don't share numbers when I was younger, but I also think it's helpful for people to see evidence is, you know, we did in a month, we did $220,000 in sales. Yeah. Now it's not cash collected. That's not, um, you know, that wasn't like 200 plus grand deposited into my bank account, but that was 200 grand of basically guaranteed money over the next three years. Yes. And before that I had done $150,000 of sales in nine months. So yeah. to do more like, you know, 133% more in a month versus mm -hmm. nine months, there was a lot of mindset work that yes. had to go around that. There was a lot of like, okay, we can't burn this down. Right. Cause my brain was like, this is too much. We're going to just like close the business, give everybody a refund. Like that's what my brain was saying. This mm -hmm. feels unsafe. And so I had to like, I went to my coach and I said, Hey, I'm feeling really weird about this. Like, how do I, how do I hold this? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just want to say this to people because I think that a lot of times we think that the money mindset issues or beliefs will go away mm -hmm. when the money shows up. And actually that's when you're going to have to go even deeper. Okay. Like the having it, the getting it is one thing, the having it and holding it and not pushing it away or, uh, treating it like it's going like, it's, um, a hot potato, right. That you can't even hold. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is a, I, in my opinion, the even more important work, mm -hmm. because I see people over and over and over, get the money, get the success, get the clients and then burn it all down. Yeah. Cause they don't know how to hold on to it. That is such a fear. Like of mine, if I can just be vulnerable and transparent, because it's, it, it scared me when I made money. I had got two clients last month and that was my first time. And that was just off of people listening to the podcast mm -hmm. that DM me and I did clarity calls, you know, and they booked, they hired me and it was like, 
scary a little bit. Like I stated, I felt guilty about it. And I always say, I pray to God and I say, I don't want to sabotage myself yeah. because my mind wants to try. I'm going I'm to say it how you say it. My mind is not trying to harm me. It's trying to protect me. So yeah. the fear of me collecting money for helping people and it's coming fast kind of throws me back. And if you don't have a money mindset coach or someone that helps you keep that together, you'll burn it down quick and, and be wondering how, what did I do yeah. wrong? Yeah. That's, that's actually one of the things that I do with my clients is like, we go back and look at their money story. We look at the, the cool thing about being a trauma focused coach is it doesn't matter what the limiting belief is like we can clear it. Right. Yeah. Because it's about helping your brain and body re wire the connection, reprocess yes. the past so that your mindset shifts in the now. Yeah. And then that allows you to have the future that you want to have. So yeah, I'll have clients that are like, oh, I remember watching my parents fight over money when I was five. And like, that was what I always heard was like the thing that came out of their mouths when they were physically fighting, right. Mm -hmm. Was there wasn't enough money or mm -hmm. that money. And so my brain is like money equals problems. Money yes. equals danger. So it makes sense now that you're in your mid thirties and you're like, why does money feel so scary? Why does it feel scary to ask for money? Why does it feel yeah. really weird or like uncomfortable in my body? Because you have experiences when you were younger where your brain decided that money wasn't safe. And so if we can reprocess that and change that, then it's going to feel different now. Yes, 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 and yes, and yes again. <laughs> yes, again, seriously, it's just so beautiful. As I said, when I do these shows, I'll be like, wow, this was for me. Like it was for me and my audience. Somebody is, this is going to resonate with someone and they're going to be like, wow, how did Lee get here? Can you give them three ways that you, three strategic ways that you shifted your mindset? Yes. So I would say if, if you are somebody who's been listening to this and going, yeah, I want to shift my mindset. Number one is getting used to practicing self-acceptance and releasing shame. So shame is something that we use a lot to, um, parent, uh, our children and both our are both our children and ourselves. And shame basically says there's a piece or part of you that's not okay, that's not acceptable. It needs cut off, thrown in a closet, um, put in a cage, the light turned off, the door locked, right? Like let's pretend that part of you doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so when we are going to practice radical self-acceptance, this means that no matter what I think, no matter what comes up in my brain, no matter what weird or crazy or mean thought pops up, I'm not going to make myself wrong for it. I'm going to accept it. Yes. It's actively practicing the opposite of shaming, which is accepting. And, um, really the next step is like forgiveness for that. Right. So then the second thing I would say is really starting to think about your own thinking. Humans are the only people who can, or the only animals on the planet that we know of that can think about their own thinking to the level that we do. And it's due to how our brains have evolved. And so we call this metacognition, start thinking about your own thinking, because guess what? A lot of your thoughts are not yours. 
a lot of your thoughts are things that people have said to you over and over. They are things that you heard over and over. They are things that were programmed into you. Mm-hmm. And that's not actually who you are and how you think. And so one of the things I always do when a thought comes up that I don't like, or that doesn't feel good, I ask, is this thought mine? Mm. And then the third thing is really getting into a space, you know, whether it's hiring Sadie or it's coming over to the Institute and exploring what we have to offer, or it's finding someone else that you really connect with that can model for you these mindset shifts, because having someone in your corner that also accepts you, that also cares about you, that also like you could, my clients can say anything to me, like literally anything to me without, and they're not going to get judgment back. I I mean, I took care of death row inmates when I was a ICU nurse. Like there is little you could tell me that you've done or thought that I'm going to be like, wow, that makes you a horrible human. Like I'm not, that's not going to be my reaction. Right. So finding someone who can give you that, who can model that unconditional acceptance for you and who can help you see what you're not seeing Mm -hmm. is huge. And there's a lot of free resources out there. And also if you're able to find someone that you can support, that you can get into that mutually beneficial relationship with where you pay them and they serve you. And it's a beautiful, um, exchange and go from there. Yes, definitely have to invest in yourself. And Lee has amazing groups on Facebook. Lee is amazing. I I don't want to keep saying that, but I just have to reiterate (laughs) that seriously, because like to be young, like you are, and to be serving your purpose is a place that everybody wants to get to. I really look up to you because that's a place that everyone wants to get to because some days I still deal with shame and oh yeah just been able to practice self-acceptance yeah I think yeah everyone has shame I still have shame all the time um and it's just that I don't I don't shame myself for feeling shame anymore so that's that's the fundamental difference I still feel shame I don't shame myself for feeling shame anymore yes 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 so Lee stated that Get used to practicing self-acceptance and releasing the shame. When you begin to accept yourself, that shame will be less and less and less, and you will no longer shame yourself for feeling shame. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You also said it, uh, forgiveness is a part of that. You know, we have to forgive ourselves for things that we did when we didn't know any better. I love when you stated that. Why beat yourself up for the past? You stated basically... I'm going to read it off of here because I wrote it down because it was just so good. Don't evaluate your past self using your present situation. That is so good because a lot of times us individuals as humans, we always say, well, if I didn't do this here, I actually just said that when I was talking to my son, I actually just said that I'm in a situation. I said, see, if I would have did this differently back then, I wouldn't be in this situation today. And that right there made that shame come back. It made that guilt come back. But I was able to nip it in the butt instantly because I did that mindset work. And I realized what I did was start to go back to my past. And I said, I'm not there anymore. So sometimes you have to literally tell yourself, I'm not there anymore. Tell your brain, I'm not there anymore. It's not okay to continue to bring those thoughts up in my present situation. Yeah. 
just be like, okay, I see that we're trying to keep ourselves safe and we're trying to look back at how we could have done things differently. And that's not serving us. So like, what would be helpful here? What would be helpful to remember? What would be helpful to think? What would be helpful to, what do I need? And what would be helpful to do moving forward? Yes. And then you stated, examine your thinking. Your thoughts sometimes are not your own. Sometimes we condition to think the way that we think. Really, really examine your thinking. That is why I journal. And and you're uh, right with me. Wasn't there like a dump in there for you to dump those thoughts? Yeah, in there? a brain dump. Yeah, a brain yes. dump. That was like the best yes. thing. And when I would brain dump before bed, it was just, I had the best sleep. And I would know when I missed a day or missed a couple of days because I would have tossing and turning. That brain dump is so, that is examining the thoughts that you had throughout that day. And you're able to go in and deal with those thoughts, create a strategy to work through those thoughts. So that is good. Soul Food with Sadie is all about planting seeds with individuals. I believe that this platform plants the seeds and the people that come on waters the seeds. What is mm-hmm. one seed that you will leave for the people? Something that will inspire and motivate them to become the very best versions of themselves. Oh, goodness. Just give yourself some grace already, please. And thank you. <laughs> like, yes. give yourself some grace. Like, you're here. You're listening to the podcast. You're trying to change you are, you are changing. You are doing the work. You, you are, you know, trying to shift how you're thinking, how you're showing up and like, you're doing a great job. So just like, give yourself some grace. Cause this takes, as someone who's been doing this for the, again, you heard my story. Like we're, we're 13, 14 years into this journey at this point. Like as someone who is, has been on a journey for that long, like just know that you have more time than you think. You can go slow to get it right and you can give yourself grace along the way. Yes, take those baby steps, give yourself grace. Lee, someone is listening to this and they're gonna gonna wanna hire you. They're gonna wanna (laughs) work with you. I'm telling you, they're gonna wanna work with you. They're gonna wanna connect with you. Can you tell us how individuals can connect with you? Yeah, sure. So the best way right now, if you're a social media person, which most of us are at this point, um, we have a, our Instagram is at becoming trauma informed. That's the Institute's um, Instagram. And then I have a Facebook group called becoming trauma informed, creating safer, shame-free spaces. So that is the best way to connect with us right now. Like I said, we just started the Institute last month. So our website is launching actually, depending on when this, this comes out exactly, it might be the same day as this. So, um, that website is instituteforTrauma.com. Um, and you can go there and see if it's up yet because it probably will be by the time you're listening. Okay. That is so great. All of our information will be in the show notes. Thank you again, Lee, for being the light. Thank you again for walking in your purpose and taking the time, 13 long years. So I don't want individuals to think that this was something that's going to happen overnight because that's not true. However, if you put the time in, if you're dedicated to it, and if you really are ready to shift your mind, things will start to happen in your life to help you get to where you need to be. Thank you again for being a guest on Soul Food with Sadie. My pleasure. Thank you. Season two is almost up. I am so, it's like a bittersweet moment for me. Lee really came through and dropped some gems. What I took from that is whatever I believe will become my reality, whether it's good or bad. 
So make sure you're always thinking good and manifesting good things into your life. Lee also stated that we shouldn't evaluate our past self using our present situation. That right there is so deep because a lot of us evaluate our past and go right back to our past based on a situation that we're in now, which only makes us more anxious, more stuck, and sometimes more depressed. She also told you guys to release shame and learn how to accept yourself. No matter what we think, we're not going to allow ourselves to sit in shame or shame ourselves any longer. She also told you guys to give yourself grace. We are humans. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. It is okay to give yourself grace. Failure is not something that's permanent. Failure is a way to learn. Learn the lesson and keep pushing. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Soul Food with Sadie. Take the seeds that are for you and leave the rest for others. Always make sure your cup is so full of goodness that you spill onto others. If you are interested in becoming a guest on the show, please email me at coach at sadiemayevans.com. Coach at sadiemayevans.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to Soul Food with Sadie. I am thankful for health in my body, peace in my mind, ears to hear and eyes to see. I am thankful for hands to write, legs and feet to stand, and wisdom to understand the gems that were given unto me today. I am thankful that I can create a strategy that I can implement into my life. I am thankful I am divinely created for such a time as this. I will be thankful for the small things because the small things are only preparing me for the bigger things that are coming into my life.